This episode of the Anti-Heroes Podcast with Zach Blair is presented by Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest's best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle and Portland shops, you'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I personally always make a stop at Thunder Road Guitars in Seattle. Uh, they're a great bunch of guys, and it's just not a complete Seattle trip unless I go and say hi and see what uh, wonderful stuff they have. These are real people offering real service, folks. Uh, use code ANTIHEROES10 to get 10% off at www.thunderroadguitars.com and tell them I sent you. Hey guys, this is Zach from the Anti-Heroes Podcast, and I want to welcome our newest sponsor to the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. Can you believe that? Anti-Heroes listeners get 30% off at distrokid.com slash VIP slash Anti-Heroes. Again, that's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Anti-Heroes. Thank you so much and support all the folks at DistroKid because they're they're doing amazing work and we couldn't be happier to have them on board. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors over at Jim Dunlop and MXR Pedals. We couldn't be luckier to have these guys on board with us. I personally use these products and you should too. Find out more about them at jimdunlop.com. Let's get on to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Anti-Heroes Podcast with your host, Zach Blair. I am Zach Blair. Hello, how you doing? Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for giving me feedback. Thanks for checking it out. I've been so happy to be doing this podcast. Uh, I got to talk to my good friend, Blake Ibanez, from the wonderful, amazing Texas metal thrash band, Power Trip. I have such an affinity for these guys. You'll hear this in the podcast and in the interview because they're from Texas and they're thrash metal kids. I'm from Texas. I was a thrash metal kid. The difference is I'm uh, 20 years older than these guys and I was actually buying these records that they sort of emulate and took influence from when they were coming out. I was buying them. And then to see this younger generation that is not only, you know, adapting and adopting this, this sound and this look and this everything and then doing it so well and doing it pretty much better than the original guys. It's just so overwhelming. And they're doing it from Texas, which is such a soft spot in my heart because, man, I know how hard it is to be a kid that's into counterculture and be from Texas. You have your friends, your family, your elders, everyone telling you that, you know, you're wrong. So when I saw them, I was like, where the fuck were you guys 20 years ago when I needed a great crossover thrash metal band? But we talk about all kinds of stuff, and he's just a wonderful human being. We get to talk about his new band, Fugitive, which uh, I think you guys are going to love that as well. And of course, we get to talk about the future of Power Trip, which a lot of folks are really excited about that. So let's go ahead and get into this interview uh, with my really good buddy, Blake Ibanez. 
How's it going, Blake? Hi, what's up, man? How are you doing? Doing good. We don't exactly need to pretend like we haven't been talking. I mean, we've been talking. We always rush to catch up because uh, we like each other. Yeah. Well, you know, Blake, you are a special guest for me because you are a Texan. Anyway, I want to start with um, Mike Gitter, the celebrated, famed uh, legend that is Mike Gitter from Century Media Records, from Triple X Fanzine, Mr. Mike Gitter. He introduced me to you guys, to your band Power Trip. Uh, one South by Southwest, he was like, hey, man, you got to come see this band. Uh, they're a thrash band and they're from Dallas. And I was like, no, they're not. You're a fucking liar. I would know what that is because I'm from Dallas and not paying much attention to the fact that I had not been in Dallas for quite some time. I'd been in Austin. I wasn't really paying attention because I was fucking touring my life away. And I went and saw you guys, was completely blown away. I had to introduce myself to you. And then you and me became friends and I realized how much we have so much in common because we're both guys that got into this music, but we're also both from Texas. And I talked to Jesse Dayton about this as well, who's a rockabilly country guitar player, lives here in town, about how being from Texas was so integral to who we became because we didn't have the ability to align ourselves with some coast. You know, in... On the East Coast, you had the, the death metal scene in Florida, or you had the hardcore scene in New York. And then on the West Coast, you had the skate punk scene and SST and all that stuff that was coming out of you know, uh, Southern California. San Francisco had the Bay Area thrash scene. You and me didn't have that. We had whatever the fuck we got, you know, and that was punk, and that was metal, and that was anything counterculture and fast. Do you think that that informed you as well? Yeah, I mean... Texas, it's so, it's like in the middle of all that. We're far away from everything. So we have like our own community here in Texas. Yeah. I feel like it's weird. Yeah. I, I feel like people in Texas, and I mean, I don't know everybody on the East and West Coast. So I'm not saying that they don't have this either. But, you know, growing up, I feel like people in Texas were always very well versed in, in music. You know, there was a lot of obviously the punk scene, the hardcore, metal, everything. Uh, you know, I kind of came up in a scene where people were, you know, putting on festivals with a big melting pot of bands, like, you know, whether it was Fun, Fun, Fun Fest or Chaos and Tejas or something. There were always these fests, you know, because of Austin. You know, there's a lot of people in Austin that migrate there and big music heads and stuff. I just feel like people had a, a good understanding of, of music and kind of where it all came from. And like I said, there are always cool fests that were bringing everybody together and expanding everyone's horizons. So like you could go to a fest in Austin and see Hum and Slayer and, you know, the descendants and the descendants, uh, bad brains or Cro-Mags and rival schools. And absolutely. There were always these festivals in Austin and other, other places in Texas that, that brought all these kinds of music together. And I think it gave everybody a good, base for just musical appreciation sure musical instincts you know just knowing your shit so absolutely and also didn't have the ability of being like the west coast fest or the whatever it's like those festivals i know which ones you're talking about they had to take what they can get you know um you know and after i met you i realized you were a guy that had that had this thrash metal band but you also you know one of your favorite bands is The Replacements. You're a Beatles fanatic like I am. And I reminded me so much of myself coming up because 
I was also a guy that was buying thrash metal records when they were coming out in the late eighties and also obsessed with punk rock. But because I don't know if it's because I was from Texas or because of my dad's influence or whatever, I also would listen to the Beatles white album along with seven churches by possessed. And, and you seem to be that same guy. And, you know, immediately once I kind of figured that out about you, I was like, Oh, we're, we're just friends for life. He gets me. <laughs> he sees me. I see him. Well, you know, you don't, you don't always meet people like that. Um, you know, I feel like it's, it's probably more common now than ever because, you know, we have so much access to music. I feel like it no longer does it really feel like people judge you or there are these rules for what you can and can't be into. I feel like a lot of people into metal probably also appreciate, you know, my bloody Valentine or something like that. I feel like everyone kind of can listen to everything because you have streaming and all this, everything's so accessible that I, uh, I think, you know, everything's mixed together a lot, but you know, like you're saying, I mean, it is rare to find people that appreciate some of the older stuff in the, in the same way, you know, like, uh, you know, whether it's like from a song standpoint or just being into pop as much as you're into heavy metal, it's like, you don't meet those people all the time, but you know, someone like you, you know, you're a songwriter, you're a, you, you understand that whole thing. And, you know, you're also, you're in a rock band with melodic, you know, pop sensibility. And then you're also in a metal. So you, you understand the bigger picture, which that's, I, I love people that can, can kind of put it all together like that. Well, it's all a part of the same thing to me, you know. I I couldn't imagine being so limited, but anyway, let's let's back up a bit. So, who were your guys? Who were like your influences getting started and things like that? Getting started, well, I mean, I would definitely say Jimi Hendrix when I was a kid. You know, my dad was like when I was getting guitars and stuff. He was Jimi Hendrix. You know, I mean, sure. When you're a kid, especially, it's like even now, it's like you just look at him and he looks fucking awesome with a guitar. <laughs> Right. No, he look awesome, but he's just like setting on fire and he's, you know, humping his amp with the guitar. Like it was just all these things he's doing. I'm like, I don't know what this guy's doing, but it was, it was pretty amazing. So, um, Jimi Hendrix was a big one. Um, Pete Townsend, you know, like watching videos of the who with my dad and like, yeah, he was doing similar things, you know, breaking guitars and doing his windmills and stuff like that. Um, he made it look dangerous. Yeah, he, he he kind of attacked it, you know, kind of like Jimi Hendrix did, but with more aggression and stuff. So it, it's funny because Buzz Osborne said the same two guys first. It was Jimi Hendrix and Pete Townsend. <laughs> well, they're not they're not super left with answers or anything, but uh, but it's true. But you know, Pete Townsend's a little crazy. I mean, Pete Townsend's always been my guy. He's my yeah. favorite. The Who are my favorite band, and and he looked like a superhero. He made it look dangerous. You know, he was like really getting it so you know him i'm trying to think who else guitar heroes i mean i would say probably eric clapton too because um sure i kind of grew up hearing the stuff that he was involved in the blind faith stuff um, my dad introduced me to the ramones in the clash pretty early on so that stuff was always really influential just in terms of like wanting to be in a punk rock band uh, Am I wrong that your dad was also, I'm sorry to interrupt, was your, your dad was also a classic rock guy? He wasn't a musician, but he was a music guy. So he, you know, he's, he's a little older. He, he kind of missed, missed as in he was a little older by the time metal came out and everything. He was already, he's an architect, so he was already in art school and he was really more so into new wave and jazz and blues and all that right. stuff. So, he, so I'd say like Black Sabbath and Kiss and all that sort of went by him. 
obviously the Beatles, the Who, um, all that, you know, Neil Young, Beach Boys, all, all that stuff. I kind of grew up listening to that with him. And, and that was probably the stuff he was into. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> and it's always, I've always wondered like how people that are your age are sent to such a specific genre of metal that was happening in the late eighties. Cause when I went and saw you guys, it was like seeing Exodus in 1988 or 89. It's like, how are these dudes that are easily 10 years, if not more younger than me or 20 years younger than me, uh, are so into this? Like what was that gateway for you? How did that trajectory happen? So we were all into hardcore, obviously we were going to hardcore shows all the time. And very soon after I got into hardcore, you know, there were bands in Texas that were, doing crossover stuff. So one band was Bitter End, who was uh, doing more of a New York hardcore thing. They were influenced by the crossover bands too. Um, and then Iron Age was huge. You know, like when I got into hardcore, they were they had just put out their first record. And it was pretty uh, out there compared to most stuff. So that just got us all diving into all those records that they were inspired by and, and that they were putting on and getting us into so you know it was like everything from nuclear assault and exodus to pentagram to sure. conformity to leeway killing time and chromags and yeah stuff from all over the new york hardcore and the crossover spectrum and, and all the way into thrash so when me and riley were first talking about starting the band i remember we connected by talking about breakdowns blacklist cdp which is like a new york hardcore band like yeah you know, I love that. Yeah, you like Chromag's Best Wishes, Leeway, Desperate Measures. We were just going back and forth like, yeah, yeah, I love that record, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, okay, let's let's start a band. That's great. Yeah, just started kind of jamming with my best friend who was like 15 at the time. You couldn't even drive. And it's weird because, I mean, I started bands in the late 80s that had those same influences like, you know, Nuclear Assault and Leeway and, and things like that, you know. Which, by yeah. the way, Nuclear Nuclear Assault, I feel like, are a very underrated band. I thought they were great. I saw them a couple of weeks ago, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I think they're about to call it quits, or, or so they say. Uh, but yeah. I, I had never gotten to see them. I like, just had missed opportunities, and I, I'm glad I got to finally see them one time. I, I saw them back then. I might have seen them on the Game Over tour, I think. But, uh, man. They did that whole album front to back. Uh, so good. They're amazing. See, again, you and me. You know, when Gitter told me about you guys in the first place, it was like, this is a band from Dallas. They sound like Leeway. And I heard riffs. You could definitely hear riffs. You're like, oh, they're, you know. And Leeway, again, also a underrated band. But, you know, Riley, I think Riley, your frontman, uh, RIP, the late, great Riley Gale, was definitely onto his own thing. And I think that was very discernible to you guys. And that was the thing that I was responding to when I saw your band. He was such a great frontman. And, uh, even though I didn't know you, I was prideful. Like, because I had been seeing your shirts around and I would see people and go, yeah, they're from Dallas and they're really good at what they do. And then after getting to know you, definitely sort of feeling prideful about you guys. Thanks, man. I'm lucky to have uh, been a part of it. And uh, it's, you know, got me to where I am today. So. Sure. Totally. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So where are you guys right now? For those that don't know, Power Trip lost their, their amazing frontman, Riley Gale. And where are you guys right now? Well, we're still still jamming together. Me and me and Chris, the drummer. You know, we we've been working on stuff, and um, yeah, I mean, all I can really say is that to expect something in the not so distant future. Um, you don't know exactly when, but um, 
yeah, you know, we're very proud of everything we've done. Um, still love writing songs. Um, you know, still got a lot of chemistry between us and that's great. The way we've always done things is always been very collaborative. And, you know, we always spend a lot of time arranging, writing songs and, uh, you know, we feel really confident about that. You know, we did, we've only gotten better at that. So, um, we're excited for what's next. That's awesome. It's going to be, it's going to be cool. You know, we, we have a lot of pride in everything we've done and we've taken the time to really think about how to do all this stuff and what makes the most sense and what, uh, what's best for us, what's best for everybody. And, you know, anything we do is going to have involved a lot of thought and uh, attention to detail. And, you know, we, we want to do it because we want to play for all the fans all over the world and people that, you know, maybe people that had never gotten to see us, people that had never, that just found out about the band. There's a lot left out there, a lot of great songs in the tank and uh, we want to keep it rolling. So that's all I can say right now. That's great news. And I'm sure a lot of people will be so thrilled to hear that, you know, and and as is evidenced, you guys could have easily just found somebody to replace Riley. You know, another band probably would have been like, everything's happening for us right now. You know, Um, we're at the top. People love our band. We've, you know, we're doing all this stuff, got all these tours and just found whoever to replace Riley and kept going. And, and you guys really took your time. You didn't know what the future of your band was going to be like. You didn't know if you were going to continue. And you really took the time to find a way forward and a path forward. And I think that's a true testament to who you, what you just said, that everything is with heart and everything is, is collected and calmed and rationally thought out and for the greater common good. And so I'm sure wherever you go and whatever you do next, it's just going to be amazing. And I can't wait to, uh, to hear it. Yeah. I mean, appreciate that. I mean, you know, the way we've always carried ourselves as a band and every decision we've made, every riff we've written, every song, every, we, we've always approached it the same way. Sure. And that's how the band's always been. You know, it wasn't just one person making all the decisions and, and you know, doing everything. So, you know, when, when it came to, you know, what, what should we do? You know, we know we still are very capable of stuff and capable of doing awesome things that I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy. So it's like, you know, we, we would, we only do it if it made sense and if it was the right thing. And I, I think giving ourselves enough time to, uh, to do everything the right way. So right. I think at the end of the day, people I think are going to be really excited and enjoy what's coming. Well, I can't wait to hear it. You know, in addition to that, you've also been busy with starting some, uh, another project called Fugitive. Yeah. So that has been really cool. It's like, I really just want to start another project to keep writing because you know, I, I found myself not really playing guitar so much when I had finished writing a lot of this stuff that was, you know, finished about a year ago. And I right. was, well, I don't really need to keep writing more songs in that vein because that hasn't even really materialized yet. So basically what happened is I was going to fill in for this band. Uh, it did actually happen. It was a close call. But regardless, it got me playing in a lower tuning. I like tuned my guitar down a step and I'm not crazy, but I mean, you know, for me, I've always played in standard pretty much. So doing that, um, I'm a little hesitant to tune down. I'm not really into down tuning. I mean, I like plenty of records that are tuned down, but I wouldn't have had a reason to do that unless I was pushed into doing that. And then I started doing it. I was like, this is different. You know, I can write stuff that I usually write and it sounds a little different. I can explore some different um, avenues like, you know, maybe dive deeper into the the more loose, filthy stuff that I'm into, you know, maybe like sure. the drums and the discharge and the battery and like the repulsion type stuff that maybe, you know, stuff that I can't really bring into the power trip stuff as much. I mean, obviously there's there, the influence is there, but it's like, 
more of like the riff style and everything. Right. Being able to loosen a little bit when you're in a lower tuning. So even like the song speeds, like writing stuff that's a little more rocking, like more in the motorhead tempo. Sure. So DB. Yeah, DBD stuff that's like there's more uh you know, room to move around. You know, power stuff just keeps getting faster and faster. It's always very tight and fast and it's like you don't have as much room to, to groove around like that. So Anyways, yeah, I started writing some stuff and it was coming really easy to me because I I think it's because of the, all the stuff I had just written. It was like a, I had to kind of break through this writer's block that I'd had for a year or so. Sure. I don't know. I finally came back around. I, I feel like it's coming a lot easier and it, it felt really good. And I just was like, I have some friends around town. I wanted to do something to connect with them and to uh, go back to the old days of like when you first start a band and you get to have band practices semi-regularly and go eat burgers together and just hang out like i miss those days you know like it's it's great being in a band that's reached a level where you can you know be more spread out and, and fly places and all that but there's you know i miss the old days of, of the the camaraderie of all that and uh you know like you you build bonds and relationships with your friends and your bandmates when when you when you're in a band with someone that's a stronger bond you can ever make just being friends you know like I was friends with all these guys, but, you know, we started making music together and doing all that. And it's just like, you know, you come a lot closer and it's like you, you get another set of brothers, you know what I mean? So oh, for sure. It's been really fun. There's a lot of like respect and we're just having fun, you know, like everybody's really enjoying it. So, yeah. Well, and, and you share a, a mutual friend, Andy Messer, who plays bass for yeah. you. Uh, shout out to Andy if he's listening. He better be listening. Uh, <laughs> he plays in my other project, uh, Dracula's and... Uh, and he's just a wonderful guy, great player. And actually, he's going to be touring with my brother's band, the Toadies, yeah. uh, this fall. So Andy's a busy guy. But uh, I, I've heard the stuff, and it's it's amazing. I love it. It's so good. Thanks, man. Um, but he's a humble guy. And I, I like you – know, we're all playing a different kind of music, different songs. We're playing with different guys. So I like it when everybody has a good attitude and is, is just excited to, to do whatever, whether that's play a show down the street or go you know to another state. It's like – it's fun. For me. It's almost like it's new for me too. I've played a show in almost, I mean, it's been like two and a half years. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm dude. eager just to play a show down the street, you know? So, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, everybody took a break during COVID, but you guys, it was more than just COVID. Yeah. So it's amazing for you to be getting back out there. I can't wait to see you. So to gear shift just a little bit, you know, I've always ribbed you a bit that you're a guy in a metal band and for people that are listening to this that might not know a predominant metal guitar is an ibanez that is the brand and your name is blake ibanez yet you play jacks and guitars and now gibson we're going to talk about your gibson v in a second but um have you ever tried out ibanez guitars to see if maybe you'd like them yeah i'm never gonna live that down it's, it's funny like yeah i always noticed it when you know when i would go to guitar center and stuff it was just like every time the register you know, it was like a that scene in Office Space where they see his name is Michael. Yeah, Ball. yeah, yeah. With the little like giggles going, you know, it's like it's always like that. Even when I'm checking out a guitar, oh my god! And, and especially now that my name is getting out there, I think in the media a little bit more with the things I'm doing. Every it never fails. Every time, if I don't have an Ibanez guitar in my hands in the picture, it's it comes out. But you know, I actually did have. I've had a couple of them. I had. I think my first electric guitar was an Ibanez. So I uh, had like a RG starter RG, and I, I mean, I like them. I, I there's just not one of their guitars that I've like I've had to have. I, I guess sure. you could say I started. You know, I started playing Jacksons because that was Kirk Hammett. 
Bill Demel and all these guys from the 80s that I like were playing Jacksons. So I play, I still play Jacksons. I just have different guitars for different things, you know, like, especially now I'm in different tunings in other bands. It's like, you know, I have my Rhodes, which is really good live. It's really light and it you can just wreck it. You know, it's got a Floyd on it and it's really fun. I have a, a soloist, which is more balanced and it's heavier. So that's good for sitting down and recording or playing leads. I have, and then, yeah, I got like, I got some Gibsons now, which I, uh, you know, one day I was like, I want a Les Paul because I like some of my favorite players play Les Pauls since forever. You know, like it's a, especially for leads, like it has a really good balance, has a really good neck. So I got that and it, I can't stop playing it. And then they're fun. I did get that Gibson V uh, recently, which is just it has a Kaler on it, which is a whole new frontier for me. But it's uh, it plays like a dream and it's just like, it's just fun trying new guitars, you know. What's funny is that guitar, the one you're talking about right now, it's, it's what year was it yours? Is it 85 or an 86? I think it's an 85. Yeah. 85. So I had an 84 and it is the art for this podcast. If you go to iTunes, it's me at 15 holding that V that you have, except yours is red with black hardware. Mine was black with gold hardware, but it's got the Kaler. Of course I got rid of it for something else, but that was when I was like, that age, that was the age where I was getting, you know, Nuclear Assault Game Over. And uh, you mentioned Phil Demel. That Violence Eternal Nightmare record was my favorite record of all time. I mean, I wore out like three cassettes of that. Um, I actually just got to see them play the other day. Um, anyway, uh, so now using some Gibsons, and that's that makes me proud because, uh, you know, I'm a Gibson guy through and through. Uh, I love them. I'm still a Jackson guy. You know, I'm going to always play those, but... You know, it's fun playing old guitars. I feel like everything I play now is old. That's good. I have an old rig where it's like my, my head's from 86. And what is that? What, the head? Yeah. It's a 2203. It's a JCB 100. Great. Yeah, 2203. It's from 86, I think. And you do you guys do things the classic way. Like you do the 800 with a distortion pedal in front of it, like, you know, Hetfield and who all the all the original guys, Anthrax. I know with Scotty and it was 800s with a TC Electronics distortion booster in front of that. I have that same pedal that he, had, that he always talks about. Have it Let's here. see it. Let's see it, Blake. This is it. Yep, that's the one. Is that what you use in your main tone? No, 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 no. I actually I haven't really use this on anything yet i've like played with it a little bit i'm going to play with it more it has a different power supply and it has more buttons and knobs on it it's like volume bass it's a noise suppressor boost distortion so i just haven't really gotten to mess with it a whole lot i'm a tube screamer guy i just like i just love the way it sounds and it's so simple um, i love that about you that's the classic way yeah it just stays on the board i pretty much just do that in the 800 and that 800 was a game changer for me because I think when I was younger, it was like when you first start playing, um, it definitely exposes all the things that you didn't realize you were doing wrong when you were playing a higher gain head or something. So like it really exposes the way you play every little thing about how you play comes out and that can either be really good or bad. It, you know, if it, it, it can be challenging, but um, that's what I love about it. You know, it really, reflects the player and the guitar like really everything about what you're doing i feel like comes out like two people play an 800 you know obviously with two different guitars or even two different players it just sounds completely different like all the way to the way you pick or you strum and how hard you're playing totally comes out with that head and um yeah like so going back to when i was younger 
I think I'd played an 800 a couple of times at a, at a gig, like maybe borrowed one or something. And I was like, oh, this is kind of scary because it was so naked's not the word, but it was just like, it was like taking something off, you know, like I thought it was so perfect. And then you realize that you still have things you can work on. And then just over the years playing it, it's, you know, um, it's an honest head, but it's just sounds so good. And when you can really nail things with that head, it's just like, you can't get that sound anywhere else. It's a classic sound, you know, and that's why everybody's I agree. from everything from rock to metal to you can use it for anything. Well, let me just say right there, you know, you guys are a younger band, you're younger guys. And I think nowadays, younger metal bands, they're using Kemper profilers or, or fractal profilers or, you know, the ubiquitous PV5150 or 6505, yeah. uh, the EV, EVH5150, because those are the, the craziest high gain amps or even diesels or something like that. And you guys are using 800s from the 80s with tube screamers in front of them, just like the real deal. And I just love that. Are you diming out your your tube screamer, or where are you setting that at? Uh, no, it's like a six six six. Ah, the yeah. the setting of the beast. It just sounds. I think it just sounds best. Like it's easier to remember. You know, it's easier to remember. I just would love it if it was like six six eight, six six nine. You know. Well, no, sometimes I'll go like eight on the drive if I need a little bit more. Yeah, why not? Fuck it. Yeah, so maybe an eight eight six six, but six 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 starting point. And then you can just turn it off for like quote unquote clean tone. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you you know if you do that. If if you if you do that, if but you don't have yeah yeah yeah. Even in the studio, I probably was a little lower than six six six. I think when I'm in the studio, you always dream about doing this straight in thing. You know, like uh, sure, Guns and Roses or even Slayer. I'm pretty sure they didn't use any distortion pedals. I could be mistaken, but I, I want to say I've read that there was like this thing that you know with the Rick Rubin, they were trying to do the back and black thing, which obviously yeah. everybody wants to do that. But I want to say they just went straight into amp. So maybe they used the, you know, this, you know, what they were plugged into, or they did something, you know, through the board or some outboard gear instead of right. pedals. Because yeah, when you get an amp to break up really loud and everything and you push it, you can get some natural distortion that way, but it just, sure. Yeah, well, then it's like really hard. You got nothing to fall back on. You know, you have to be just completely flawless. But the less distortion and all that, really, if you, it makes it just sound better. You know. Well, that makes a lot of sense because you know the Rain and Blood record, and you know, well, that's the Rick Rubin stuff with, yeah. with Slayer. I mean, those guitars are fairly clean. You know, and I think it adds to the overall sort of angst in that record and, and how creepy it almost sounds you know it always sounded like being in hell to me it's like they were the polar opposite of everything else happening at the time you know like everybody else i feel like always scooping out the mids you know reverb all that stuff i mean there's a little bit of reverb in areas on the slayer records but overall the vibe is like we're not doing that we're gonna be right in your face up front it's harder to pull it off, you know. It takes a more attention to detail, and, and everyone's got to be playing really good. I mean, they did all that stuff to tape. Yeah, dude, tell me about it. So I, you know, that just goes to show how great they were and uh, how much time they spent in the studio just making sure it was perfect. Yep. It's really impressive. I think Rain and Blood is one of those perfect records, in my opinion. You know, there's not a bad song. There's not a fast-forward song on it. That and At the Gate, Slaughter of the Soul. Um, you know, back to uh, Fugitive a bit, you know, it's funny you say the thing about just dropping to E flat 
how that helped you sort of get creative and 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 pull some some riffs out. Was it E flat, D sharp? Just D standard. So it was just a oh, it's just D standard. I say like D D G C F A D. Well, even that, you know, your chord shapes are still the same. You know, essentially, you're not dropping anything. You're not dropping to drop C or drop D or whatever. But how that could spur you? And you know, it's funny. I got one of those Gretsch baritone guitars for Christmas, and I can't pick that thing up without writing a riff. You know, it's in B, and you wouldn't think that that would be such a creative tool, but it really does take you out of it. It really does. You're hearing things in such a different way than what you've sort of programmed your brain to respond to. And so I, that that's, that's true, you know? And it's funny. I, what I heard of fugitive, I was like, Oh, this is Blake doing some lower stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not super low tune. I mean, like I said, I, I'm pretty picky when it comes to lower tune stuff. I feel like at some point, the lower you go, the the riffs kind of disappear. Dude, I would say C sharp is probably the lowest that I generally dig, like Sacrilege and Razor and all the death metal stuff. I, sure. I like C sharp standard a lot. Um, but D was cool because it was like we have one EP that we did Power Trip in E flat, you know, which is like the Slayer tuning, Rise Against tuning. Yeah, and it was it's it's a good tuning, but I think I, I was like, well, there's not that big of a difference between E flat and E in terms of like writing new stuff. That's right for sure. Like I gotta go a little bit lower, and like I said, I was already playing in that tuning, just learning some this other band songs, and I was just like, once I started playing it, I was like, I was there was trying different things that were working. And E is a good tuning to test out riffs. You know, it's like, hey, if it sounds good in E, it's probably a good riff. But like, right, there are certain riffs that just sound better in, in D or, or a lower tuning. It just sounds a little darker and cooler. It sounds a little better. Like I said, a little more room to get loose and uh, get a little more sleazy and stuff like that. Get that little like rock and roll thing going. And right. It definitely has a more rock and feel to it. Like the, the fast songs, we kind of, we coined it thrash and roll because we, it's, it's thrash, but it's like, it, it's got this sleaze element. You know, I'm really inspired by Nick Anderson and all the Entombed stuff and like, you know, what he's done with the helicopters and his band Death Breath is like a huge influence on Power Trip and all the stuff I've done because it's, it's kind of like we were talking about. It's like guys that yep. really have their influences in the right places. Like they're into rock and roll, they're into metal and like the roots of metal and all that stuff. But then they, they approach like the aggressive thing with this punk attitude, you know, like they did like GBH and Discharge and Battery covers on, on one record. And it was like, and they were kind of a death metal band, but they're playing through like JMPs and less Paul's. Right. So it was like, it's like everything I like and that those are the instincts that I like to think that I have too, you know? So like kind of where I was coming from on this fugitive thing too, is like the way that they approached, you know, they were playing more of like a death metal, but it's like, it's, it's totally coming from venom and, and bathering, like all the really early stuff, like proto thrash, but we have the benefit of understanding all these years of music after it already happened. And then we can mix in everything we want. So like, there's still, Sepultura, Obituary, Razor, and Chromags, and all that stuff. It's still all in there, like all my normal influences, but it's like, I like connecting the dots between all that stuff. Sure. That Death Breath stuff is great. You know, also the a few points, when I see a death metal or a thrash metal or a metal band using Gibson and Marshall, for some reason, my respect level goes up. It just does, you know, like I want my Metallica playing Gibson Flying V's. And that's that goes back to the anomaly of Power Trip is that you guys play in E standard through Marshall's and Tube Screamers and 
this is music that was, you know, 20 years before you guys were doing this. And, and I just love it, man. I can't say enough about it. I know I, I've bring it up a lot, but uh, it's, it's endlessly impressive to me, Thank you. you know? Um, uh, well, man, I won't take up too much of your time. Um, I would tell everybody listening to stay tuned to Power Trip and see what those guys have coming up. Also, check out your new band, Fugitive, because it's great. It has some great folks in it. And uh, anything that Blake Ibanez does, just check it out. More stuff to come, more announcements to come. So we're just getting started over here. I got a lot of music on the way. Oh, of course you do. You're a guy that's driven and this is all you do. And it's... That's all I really care about at the end of the day. It's me too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's why we've always had a lot to, to talk about. Uh, well, anyway, hey, thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. And, and I hope to see you in person soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And uh, good luck out there. And hope to see you soon. Yeah, I will see you out there, buddy. I mean, we'll we'll be crisscrossing each other for years to come, I would imagine. Sure. Take care, man. Later. See? Isn't he a great guy? I just like that guy so much, man. What an interesting dude. What a focused person. What a focused musician. He's going to have a long career. You know, I think Power Trip did so well and had such a meteoric quick rise because of what he was talking about he's so, he is so focused he is so driven he is so serious about what he does they're the real deal you know that's the thing about texas man there's not much to do down here so if you've got a band if you're a musician you focus you do it that's what you do we do thrash metal right they do thrash metal right so pick up anything power trip pick up anything blake ibanez pick up fugitive it'll be out real soon I'm going to use this time to also thank the wonderful folks over at Jim Dunlop and MXR. Uh, You can find out more about all of their wonderful products at jimdunlop.com. If you don't know what they are, who they are, and you're a musician, shame on you. But you can start today. Go and buy yourself one of the wonderful MXR pedals or anything with the Jim Dunlop name on it or the Tortex picks. Do yourself a favor, folks. I am going to leave you here at the end was an example of Blake Ibanez's wonderful guitar work. And this is going to be the song Firing Squad from the Power Trip album, Nightmare Logic. In E standard, man. And keep checking out this podcast and I'll keep making them. And I'm going to talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 